This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from One Trust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security again HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. Today on the show, I got to talk with Everett Taylor of Skirt and Pop Social, the national brand ambassador for NASA. This was an interview we originally released in episodes of This New Economy, but this is the first time we're releasing it in its entirety, and it's well worth the listen. I talked with Everett about his journey into tech from being homeless as a child all the way through co-founding Growth Hackers with Sean Ellis and eventually leading to the prolific career he has today. This is an amazing episode, so stay tuned. Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast where we explore business from culture to sales, from product to growth, and everything in between. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Delcito. Chief Marketing Officer, 
or VP of marketing, whatever you want to call it, uh, leading marketing over at Skirt currently. Um, and serial entrepreneur, started four different companies, and I'm also currently national brand ambassador for NASA's startup initiative. Nice. Um, and uh, I guess currently founder of Millicent's and Growth Pub since they're they're both still still going. So tell me how you got into into tech. Like, what got you interested, and where did you first begin working professionally? Yeah, so uh, it's, I guess there's two answers to that question. My first professional job was when I was 14 years old and at a company called Eastern National, and I completely fooled them <laughs> because they thought I was older um, when I came into the interview. And it was for a junior marketing associate position, only paid six eighteen an hour. Okay. And essentially before that, I was hustling on the street, man, whether it was like candy or CDs, DVDs, I mean, even weed, you know, anything I could do <laughs> to hustle and help out my mom and help out my family. I did what I had to. Yeah. And, uh, fortunately, my mom got a more stable job where she was like, hey, this money is cool, but I don't want you to. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. She literally went and got um, a classified ad. You know, some of the people in here that listen to this podcast probably don't even know what the hell that is. <laughs> right. uh, I got a classified ad. It's like, what? There was a world before LinkedIn? Like, um, but uh, yeah, and, and I went and got the job. So that was my first professional job, and it happened to be a marketing job. You know, at the time, when you're 14, you're not thinking – hey, I'm going to do this shit for the rest of my life, right? Right, right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be a basketball player, a rapper, something really cool. Um, at 14, I wasn't thinking I was going to be a marketer. Um, now, uh, fast forward a few years later, I ended up getting laid off from that job. And my mom ended up losing her job. And I actually ended up homeless. No way. And while I was homeless, I used to go to the local library. Um, every day, like essentially every day that it was open. Is this uh, in LA? This was in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Okay. So I'm homeless. I'm homeless my whole senior year of high school, 17 years old. And I go into the library every day. And, you know, before that, I never really had much access to the internet outside of work. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so it was really, really interesting to be able to like start exploring the web. Right. And as I was exploring the web, I came across this kid named Mark Zuckerberg. And I was like, what the hell? This kid is 20 some years old and he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars for creating a website. Right. And then something that was more relatable to me was Q, rest in peace to Q from Worldstar. I'm pretty sure you've heard of Worldstar hip hop. This was a black man on the East Coast that came from the hood, just like me, and started this website that was killing it, right? And was becoming super popular. And to me, it was like, whoa, tech is where it's at right now, right? Yeah. Building building stuff in a digital space is where it's at. And, you know, I'm 5'11". I didn't end up 6'8", like LeBron. You know, I couldn't be a rapper. My bars are trash, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> Tech was like, whoa, this could actually be a thing for me. I could do this. And that that's what really kept me motivated during my time being homeless, actually. I, yeah. I, 
I, I could see that. Um, you spent a, a whole year homeless. Uh, were you still going to school or? Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, one, um, and I'm, this person is not to be named because I know he's still working in the school system, but he essentially lied on my transcript because I was missing so many days of school. And to graduate from a Virginia high school, you have to be in school a certain amount of days, right? right. You can't go. It's not like college, like college, you can miss all the classes and kill the finals mm-hmm. and be okay. Right. Um, and so he kind of helped me out there and yeah, it was really tough, man. You know, I came to school, you know, with unclean clothes where my best shower was like in a sink at a gas station, you know, um, you know, it was really, really tough. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, why didn't you get another job? And they don't realize that when you're homeless and you haven't gotten a haircut and you don't smell good and you don't have dress clothes, it's really, really hard to get a job. Yeah, you're not you know? getting a job. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting a job. Yeah. Um, like even McDonald's turn like wasn't even about it. Right. So yeah, it was a really, really difficult time, but like I said, you know, I knew that if I could get to college that I would I would find a way, even though I ended up dropping out of college, but like I knew <laughs> if I could get there. Just gotta get there, yeah. I just gotta get there. I gotta get out of this situation. And I knew because of my financial situation I could probably go to college for free. I just needed to get there. So, yeah. So you graduated uh, high school and, and was it a, what, what college did you end up getting into? I ended up going to Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University, better known as Virginia Tech. Oh, not bad. Yeah. Um, so I was attracted to them because I was like, wait, I want to do this tech thing. I had no idea what the hell I was doing, but it had tech in its name. So I was like, yo, I want to work in tech. So I need to go to school with tech in his name. Yeah, that, that was my logic. Logical, right. <laughs> I was the first person in my family to go to college, man. Like, That's I incredible, did, man. You know, I didn't know what to look for in a college. Yeah. I just knew their football team was badass and they had tech in their name. And that was about it. Yep. So so you got in, into college and um, did you still, was your mom was was she still homeless? Uh, did you still have to? Were you still supporting her? So, uh, so my mom was 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 back up on her feet. So okay. uh, that wasn't that wasn't an issue um, at all. So um, yeah, she was back working. Um, we were good, and uh, yeah, I'm back in college. But um, unfortunately, due to other family situations, I actually had to drop out of college after my freshman year, um, right at the beginning of my sophomore year. And I actually dropped out of college two more times after that. Wow. I tried to keep going back, but you know, different things kept happening. Like I started my first company at 19 and you know, it was really hard for me to get back. I tried to go back to college and I was like, bro, I'm making too much money here. (laughs) What were you doing at at 19? Uh, What was the company? Yeah, so the company was called EG, but it's essentially it was essentially uh, event marketing companies. Okay. So that's just like a cool, like a fancy way to say we threw parties. You know, <laughs> right. we parties but what's so cool about it is that we created a platform where people could buy their pictures from events online. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah it was really really cool because we would try to sell pictures. Um, we would try to sell pictures and. Uh, 
you know, it was really, really hard. And so we started doing it online and people didn't had no problem doing it online. And then also we could use that payment platform to actually sell tickets in advance. So it all worked out really for us. Yeah, that's in- incredible. Were, were you throwing parties before kind of building out some of the, the tech side of it? Yeah. So when we first started throwing parties, it didn't start off as like a tech company, you know, yeah. Um, but luckily, one of the cool things, like I said, I'm glad I went to college because the two devs that I met that worked on that first company for me were computer science majors at Virginia Tech, right? That lived on my hall freshman year. Okay. And so it was just like perfect. And as I'm building this out and I'm coming across these problems, and I think that's what's so cool about tech, right? And, you know, we're going to talk about diversity later. Like yep. we have we have some of the greatest minds that can like, really try to solve the world's issues. And I saw different issues that I was having. Like one thing was that people were getting robbed because people knew that they had cash, that they were going to buy drinks and different things at our parties. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to create a payment platform where you could buy drink vouchers and you could pay for your ticket before going there, you didn't actually need to carry cash on you, you know, made our wow. you know people going to the party safer. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, back to the show. So you you solved, right, right. Oh, that's good. Okay, so you, you got, you, you built the event company, you decided, I'm not going to go back to college because, you know, I kind of got the, I have the business running. And, and so what happened from there? What happened with the event company? Yeah, so we sold, we sold the company. I was 21 years old. Wow. I sold, I turned 22 two months after that, but it sounds so much better. It's so much better, yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> I sold the company at 21. Uh, I actually went back to school and I went back to school for a whole, uh, almost two years. Right. Okay. And, uh, it was crazy because I realized that when you're in these universities, you start to like move and think like everyone else, like okay. people go to the same cities and take the same types of jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. And I felt myself kind of just moving in that similar direction as everyone else. And I was like, oh shit, I need to get out of here. Right. Yeah. And luckily I connected with Sean Ellis, um, who you may know, yeah, uh, yeah. guy who coined the term growth hacking and, you know, he did growth and early marketing for Dropbox and then Brian Logme and all these companies, you know, he, he needed somebody to lead marketing for his startup Qualaroo and, uh, he wanted me. And I was like, wait, me, I was 23 <laughs> at the time. And I was like, Oh shit! Like the Sean Ellis wants me. And uh, what was it about you that he was really like? Like, what was it that that? How? What was your relationship like that he would offer that opportunity? One, I was funny as hell. Okay. <laughs> uh, we were following each other on Twitter, and like, I would just send him funny stuff, like when he was tweeting different things. And this is when, like, if you look at Sean Ellis now, he's basically a bot. <laughs> and I'm the blame. I'm the blame. That was a growth hack. Okay. Um, that we don't need to talk about. That's a growth hack. There's a lot of traffic to growth hackers, but like, but this is when he was like actually tweeting himself. And um, and then two, I think the fact that I sold a company that was similar to Eventbrite, right? Like had similar technology. Obviously, wasn't a billion dollar company like Eventbrite, but I showed the ability to scale that and sell that, and then just my tenacity and like wanting to constantly improve and like do great things. And I had a lot of experience in 
hey, I was cheap too, right? Like, sure. <laughs> a lot of money, you're cheap. This is this is about as good as I'm gonna get, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so you guys were you built a relationship on Twitter? It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. That's cool. So he re, he he finally said, "I want you to to run kind of the marketing behind Qualaroo." Yeah. So and then so 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 we we have Qualaroo, right? And we're growing that, and Qualaroo, like you know, eventually gets acquired too. By the way, that's the story of Qualaroo, but. Oh. Um, before uh, before that, we actually uh, started GrowthHackers.com. I'm not sure if you've ever been to GrowthHackers.com. Oh, yeah. Yeah, huge. Um, huge so fan. we started, me, Sean, Morgan Brown, Dylan Lacan, we all started GrowthHackers.com together. And uh, so that, that community grew very, very quickly, hundreds of thousands of people a month, uniques a month. Uh, you know, we've been able to build, you know, technology and different things on top of that. Um, so I was leading growth there, and then I got reached out to by uh, Sticker Mule, okay. which I'm not sure if you used or not. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Popular e-commerce platform, and I became uh, the CMO of Sticker Mule. Um, and prior to that, just just to turn back a little bit, I did fa- found another company, Millicence, which is my marketing firm. So did Growth Hackers, did Millicence, go to be CMO of Sticker Mule. Um, after leaving Sticker Mule, I led growth and product. And when I, when I came over to Sticker Mule, I actually moved to LA. Okay. Um, because they're actually based in New York, but I would be remote and travel back and forth from LA to New York. And so that, that brought me to L- LA because previously I was in Orange County with Sean Ellis. Um, okay. And uh, so, you know, I leave Sticker Mule. I'm running growth for, for new products out of Microsoft for a little bit. Um, just until like I find like the perfect situation, uh, for myself. Yep. And, uh, I actually start another company called growth pup, which is a software company. Uh, because people kept asking me like, man, like I want to grow my Instagram, my social media like you. And I'm like, man, I need to monetize this. I need to figure this out. And so, you know, we built technology to help people, you know, automate their growth on these platforms and starting off with Instagram. And then, uh, you know, prior to joining Skirt, I hadn't met the guys a year prior to that, and uh, they were so excited. And I, I thought they were just awesome people, but I was like, dude, this business model, because at the time, <laughs> they wanted to deliver cars into the airport. And, you know, it's already hard enough getting Uber and Lyft, right? Right. right. It's already a pretty bad experience. And so I was a little, like, skeptical, but you know, uh, you know, moving forward with a new business model and just a great team, um, you know, it really attracted to attracted me to coming on, uh, to lead marketing efforts here at skirt. So, uh, that's where I'm at now. And it's, it's really been inspiring because, you know, we're going to talk about diversity, but this company really focuses on providing mobility and that access to transportation to people that normally would not have access to it. And a lot of our customers are people of color, are people that are minorities or underrepresented people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have things like we don't require a credit card. You can use a debit card. And, you know, we have the ability to deliver that car to you. So if you don't have any way to get to a rental car company, right? Um, we allow that access. So it's really, really inspiring. And, and we're also affordable. So it's really, really inspiring to be able to provide that to people. Do you feel like, now, just a quick tangent, 
Um, but do, do you feel like your experience growing up um, and even being homeless for a year, does that relate to your, your kind of enthusiasm and tenacity towards the solution at Skirt? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, growing up, we used to say if the bus didn't go there, we didn't go there. That's true. Right? Yeah. Um, and I never got to go on vacations. I never got to travel. I never got to do any of that stuff growing up because we just didn't have the money or the access to like cheap transportation to make that happen. You know, you can get a skirt, um, you know, as low as like twenty one dollars for the entire day. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so yeah. that's the type of, you know, affordability that we're providing with this company. And, you know, that really touches me and like all the stories that I get to hear really, really motivates me to push and keep along. And, you know, I definitely want to keep getting it cheaper and cheaper. So I, I feel like that's the first one of the first transitions into diversity is um, it, it would this like we, we generally use technology to improve the lives of already privileged people, right? We're solving privileged problems oftentimes, and we don't necessarily use technology to bring new opportunity to under, like, supported and, and, and underprivileged uh, segments of, of our population. Um, do you feel like that is because we don't have, I don't want to answer the question for you, but sure. what I'm getting at is, you know, is it because we don't have people who have a diverse, uh, background and experience try using technology to solve problems. Yeah. You know, I say this all the time and it, and it's been proven in the numbers, the more diverse your company is, the more profitable it is and the more successful it is. And, you know, a lot of people tell, say, you know, when I think about diversity, they think about like skin color or gender or sexuality, things like that, right. And age. But what a lot of people don't really think about is diversity of thought. Mm -hmm. And how that people that come from different areas, different experiences, different backgrounds bring different perspectives into a company. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what's most powerful. Yeah. It's really not at the end of the day, like, oh, it's, you know, I'm a black man and I'm dealing with this. It's, hey, I'm a black man who came up in Richmond, Virginia, and none of you people in Silicon Valley probably experienced what I've experienced. And I can probably bring a different perspective than you. Right. It's not about me being black. It's about that difference in perspective and those different experiences that I've had. And you're only going to get that from people who are different than you. And I feel like it in especially with skirt, it's it, it's almost a, a market unrealized by other other companies um, it, because they're not they're not paying attention to it. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's 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 kind of crazy that no one really thought of this idea before, or at least got far with it, you know? Um, and, you know, it's just awesome to see the, the diverse perspectives and the, and the different types of people from all walks of life that we have here. I think that's what's really made this company so successful. It's awesome. Um, so I want to talk about your LinkedIn um, uh, experiment, right? Can you, can you tell me a bit about that? <laughs> yeah, I actually kept that out of my story, huh? Um, yeah, so I dropped out of college um, when I was 19, and I come back home, and I hear about this thing called LinkedIn, and I'm like, whoa, this is way better than classified ads. I need to get on this. And I was pretty confident, right? I was like, you know, I'm 19, but I've had four years of experience because I had three years of experience at Eastern National and then one year of experience at United Way. Um, during my first year of college as a marketing coordinator, right? Yeah. 
And so I'm applying to pretty entry level things and I'm not getting any responses. And, you know, me naturally as a marketer, you know, I want to A-B test this. Like, I'm like, what's going on? Why isn't anyone giving me a shot? Yeah. So I can't come up with any solutions. And, and then I started thinking about it. I was like, is it because I'm black? And, you know, you never want to be that guy, right? You never want to, you know, make it about race. You know, sure. like, you know, you have some people that that's the first thing they jump at. I always try to look at myself first before putting it on the color of my skin. Right. Yeah. So I couldn't come to a a viable solution. So I said, hey, let me A-B test this. And I created a fake LinkedIn with essentially the same resume. I switched up the companies a little bit and I changed the name. Uh, It was like something like, I don't know, Bradley or something. I don't know. (laughs) Right. but, uh, and then I, I put like a white guy, like mm-hmm. slightly older white guy on there, right? Um, and seven out of those 10 companies response, I, I sent it out to 10 companies, kind of mm-hmm. as like, and seven out of those 10 companies responded back with interest. Wow. 10 companies that didn't even respond back to me. And so that really was the point that really pushed me to the point of wanting to be an entrepreneur. I think two things was being homeless, right? Yeah. And depending on being dependent on one stream of, of income, right? Which is tough. Yeah. And then two, seeing that bias um, in my experience trying to get jobs. Did you feel like, uh, like what did you, like your, your reaction was, I want to be an entrepreneur because I don't want to deal with that side of 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 like people right like going after people that just uh, aren't going to give me a chance right it was just it was just kind of like my fu right yeah you know it was like you know what's so interesting is that i've also still worked other gigs and things like that throughout my career like sticker mural follower and things like that um but i've also always made sure that I had something else that was my main source of income. Right. Yeah. Like even that skirt right now, I still make more money from my companies. Right. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I've never tried to be ever dependent again on, you know, and the only time it was like during that time when I first moved to California across the country to work for Sean, but I had money saved up from me selling my company. So I was in a little bit different position, right? Yeah. Um, but like within that first year I had started my marketing firm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's always been this dependency of like not depending on the white man, right? Like yeah. not depending on someone else who holds your cars. And typically that is a white man to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, Back to the show. So I, you've worked for like a, you have a very impressive resume of companies that you've worked for. Wh- why do you think like that is different? Like Microsoft, right? Why do you think that is different than the cold reach out from LinkedIn? Did did you have any any kind of like insights about that? Uh, the what's 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 different? Well, what's different is those companies came after me. Okay, so you you made yourself so attractive that they came to you, but yeah. not everyone has that opportunity, right? I yeah, mean, not everyone has the opportunity. Like, yeah. gen- generally, genuinely, 
the last job that I worked that I actually applied and was like, hey, can you hire me? It was United Way when I was 18 years old. I'm wow. 26 now. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I made it sure I killed it on every step of the way that I never have to be in a position again where I am the one that is an attack, right? I want to be in positions where like I have people reaching out to me. And I know this, I am in like the less than 0.01% of, of people. And, and, and I understand part of it has to do with my personal brand and things like that. Um, but don't get it twisted. I've also been on the other side. Yeah. I've been yeah. On the other side when you want people to give you an opportunity and because you don't have this certain background, you don't have this certain education, you haven't worked at these certain companies, right? Your name might be spelled a little bit differently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to give you an opportunity. So I've been there. Yeah. What do we, like, for people, um, that are 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 just getting started or even they're not right but they want to break into check or they, they need a new job what do we need to change in order to reverse it right like uber not diverse right every every tech company that releases their diversity is is proven to be basically all white men um and definitely all white people um do we just need more success stories to get more people in the boardroom um you know, that are black and Latino and is that what we need or is there something else that we can do to, to move it along? This culture starts from the top, man. Culture absolutely starts at the top and what people care about at the top. It's totally a reflection of that. Right. And so at these companies, if the CEOs, if the executives, if the boards, if these people actually care about diversity, they will make it happen. If that's really a priority, they will make it happen. I tell people all the time. So I work in marketing and growth, right? And with marketing or building a startup, you have certain KPIs. And for those who are new to this, it's key performance indicators, right? Mm -hmm. And you have these metrics that you have to hit and you have these goals that you set and you have to meet, right? And marketing and hitting those goals is extremely important in a company, right? And if me personally, as the head of marketing, if I don't meet those goals, what happens to me? I lose my job, right? Yep. I lose my job. Why aren't those same measures being taken for diversity? that you have for growth in a company or bookings or sales or revenue. Why isn't diversity held at that same standard? Yeah. If people would actually lose that, like people in these people in HR recruiting these executives, they don't care because at the end of the day, they're not being held to a certain standard. Right. You know, if you're being held to a certain standard and people are held accountable, you'll see a lot of things change. They'll get it done. Yeah. They'll get it done. If your job is on the line, like if you need to increase diversity and your job is on the line, if that's a, that's, that's something like, for instance, say you're an engineer and, you know, we realize that, you know, just, just from being data focused, that if there's ever a woman that comes through the pipeline and you interview them, you're 98, 99% of the time you're turning them down. 
Yep. Right. What if people are being held accountable for that stuff? Yeah. Not only from recruiters, but also the people that are interviewing these people. That's where that's where a lot of this gets lost, right? In the whole diversity thing, is that the executives will say, "Oh, we need to increase diversity three percent." That's how I think diversity executives sound. I don't really. (laughs) We need to increase this thirty percent, you know, whatever. And then on the bottom, you have the recruiters, right? right? Who are like, "Man." I got to get some black and Latino people in here. Right. right. And so they're doing their thing. But you know what happens? It's in the middle that really messes everything up because they said, OK, we want to increase diversity at the bottom. Recruiters are trying to bring in diverse candidates, but it's the people that are interviewing these candidates that are not letting them get through because of their own unconscious bias or their explicit bias. Right. And that's that's where the problem lies. And so that's where you really need to make a lot of the changes, the people that are actually interviewing these people. And that's everybody in the company. And so that education and that change of culture is extremely important. You know, you can take tests and figure out what your unconscious bias. You should be able to see KPIs and 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 metrics on what your biases may be on the type of people that you turn down, what do they look like, right? The people that you put through, what do they look like? Those things should be, honestly, if someone can actually make that, I don't know if that exists, but that's that could be a potentially really, really big deal, right? Yeah, if you yeah. get analytics for bias and, and increasing diversity in your company. We, we've interviewed um, Joel Emerson, who's building something similar. So they do like a consulting company, but they have some tech to to back up um, and and show the company bias, which is really fascinating um, right. and very obvious once they once they set it up. Right, yeah. and it's it's making that effort to. And then there's so many like simple like you know I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but we call it layups, something like that's just easy. Yeah, like yeah. If, you're, if you're recruiting from Stanford and Cal Berkeley and like these places that are only in these certain cities and areas at schools that are, you know, literally have like 1% black people or 2% black people or Latino or whatever it is. Right. Then that's what you're going to get. Yeah. You know, that's what you're going to get. You have to fix that pipeline problem. You have to go out there and really start talking to people that come from different places, different cities, different schools. I mean, that's where a lot of this, a lot of this starts. You know, there's some really, really brilliant people out there. Do you feel like there is a pipeline problem or simply a pipeline focus problem? Uh, there's so have you ever tried? Have you ever really tried applying to a Facebook? No, I've I've, I've always figured I'd get rejected. Let me me tell you how this shit is. Okay. So I've had people who are absolutely brilliant. Right. And I actually talked to this one founder. He happened to be a you know, be a white male, but this is actually very, very true to Facebook. Okay. You apply to Facebook without any recommendations or anybody that you have connected there that can push you to recruiters, more than likely you are going to get turned down or never get into the pipeline. Right. They'll just send you an automated message and say, Hey, sorry, you're not what we're looking for. Thank you for applying. Right. Mm-hmm. And who are the people with those connections in these companies? People that look like the people that are in the companies, right? 99% white or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. So 
it's it's really really tough to crack through um, when if you just try to apply as a regular person with no connections into that company. I don't care if you're white, black, Spanish, or whoever. It's already j- that difficult, right? And it's even that harder when you're someone who's a diverse, excuse me, a diverse candidate that may not have the same connections as someone else. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's an access and a privilege issue, um, that, uh, that's tough to fix. It's it's extremely tough to fix. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd like to, to hear like, how hopeful are you right about where we're moving and, and even the potential to fix this, maybe not at Facebook, but maybe the potential only comes from companies like Skirt and uh, companies that have fixed diversity from the beginning. Um, but what, what are your thoughts around kind of where where we're going and how, how are we going to be able to provide more opportunity um, in the workforce? Right, right. Um, so to me, um, I truly believe that the fact that it's being spoken about is a positive term. Like, I don't think diversity was really a hot topic 10 years ago. Probably like, not, no. I don't think people really care that much. Um, you know, what's so funny. I was, I was watching a new Dave Chappelle special, right? I saw that. Yeah. I know this seems completely off, but it's going to all make sense in a okay. bit. So this, this Dave Chappelle special comes out, comes out, right? Dave Chappelle is one of my favorite comedians. And he's literally the same person, right? Yeah. He's still, he literally, he has not changed, right? He's still as controversial as ever. But what's happened in the past 10 to 12 years that he's been away is that the world around him has changed Mm. and people have become quote unquote more woke. People have become more like, like open-minded to seeing things that are wrong, right? And so there's been like this huge uproar about some of the things that he was talking about. And I absolutely don't agree with a lot of the things that he's talking about in his standup. But what, what, what's the case is things really have not, he hasn't really changed, right? Right. People are upset, but things haven't changed. I feel like diversity in tech is Dave Chappelle. <laughs> like, like it's practically the same. And people can like complain all they want, but guess what? Dave Chappelle still got $60 million, right? <laughs> and he's still popular and still people are going to still watch him, right? Yeah. Like it's nothing at the end of the day, people can complain, but nothing is really going to change. And that's how I feel about diversity in tech. It's literally Dave Chappelle right now. It's like, okay, there's a lot of people complaining about it, right? Mm-hmm. But is it really going to change anything? And until we become solutions oriented and hold people accountable, like people are complaining about that, but who's going to hold Netflix accountable for putting that, putting that type of content out there, right? Or paying Dave Chappelle that much money and things like that. Like until we become solution oriented, we're just going to get really upset. And that's what I see in this whole diversity space right now is that there's a lot of people that are upset and are complaining and they're mad and I get it. I absolutely get it. You should be. Mm-hmm. I'm mad as hell. But I also understand 
that we have to be solutions oriented. I've been to, t- to, to diversity talks and diversity conferences where no one talked about solutions. I'm like, what the hell? What is this? Is this Twitter in real life? <laughs> is this what we're going to do here? No, we need to figure out solutions. And we also have to bring the people who are the problem. Like you have these diversity panels and different things like that. And even this episode, if it's geared towards diversity, there's going to be some cer- certain people that will be like, you know what? Fuck that, Michael. I'm not listening. I'm not li- I know. I know. It, so it's it's it, it changes things, you know, and uh, yeah, we got to be solutions. We got to be solutions oriented and have the people that are thinking that way in those conversations with us and creating solutions and providing solutions, viable solutions for those people. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to add or anything we didn't get to? Yeah. Um, you know, I got to shout out, you know, one, please, please, if you are in Los Angeles, San Diego or Miami, um, and we'll be in more cities soon, please go and download Skirt, S-K-U-R-T. I would be remiss not to mention that. Also, my newest company, uh, GrowthPup, GrowthPup.com. Um, it is literally the best way to grow your audience and engagement. Like we have so many people that are, are killing it on Instagram for their businesses or personal through growth pup. So growthpup.com is huge. Go get it. You know? Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really it. Cool. Cool. I will, I'll include that and I will. huge thanks to Everett for coming on the show, sharing this with us. Really hope you enjoyed that. If you want to find out more about rocketship.fm, go to rocketship.fm. It's pretty simple, right? We, you can sign up for our newsletter. We have partnered with Product Collective, Mike Belsito's company, to bring you even more content each week. So if you sign up for the newsletter, you're going to get content from Rocketship FM. You're also going to get detailed product content from Product Collective, which is incredibly valuable. And as entrepreneurs, it's one of the most important topics for us to stay up on. So go to rocketship.fm and sign up for our newsletter. If you enjoy this content, leave us a quick review. Um, or tell a friend or share the link on Twitter. Anything helps to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back here in just a couple of days.